RadioInfluence.com. Welcome, 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 welcome back to Life in a Fast Lane, hosted by me, your boy, Mr. Black Moses. How's everybody doing out there this week? And I know that I ask that every week, but I sincerely, sincerely want you to know that when I ask you, how is everyone doing? I'm, 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 I'm genuine with that. I'm, I'm sincere with that. Uh, how's your boy doing? You know, let's keep it 100. It's been a tough week. It's been a tough week. Um, and you know, it's, it's, I, there was a moment where I thought that maybe, maybe I needed to not do a show this week, uh, considering the activities that are going on right now. Um, and the result of such activities, but I, you know, I thought that I have a voice in the platform that it would be, it would be wrong for me not to, it would be wrong for me not to. So, uh, you know, like I said, it's, it's been a, a tough week, but for some, a tough week is nothing. It's nothing because it's been a tough existence. It's been a very tough existence. And and even though we are not life in the fast lane hosted by me, your boy, Mr. Black Moses is not a politically charged show. Um, You know, I ride motorcycles for a living. You know what I mean? Like, but you can't deny it's undeniable the effect that certain ideals, if you can call them that have a, have had a impact on my life. You know, and and I've been able to make uh, I've been able to make lemonade out of lemons multiple times over and over again in my life throughout periods of my life. And, you know, like as I as I said, you know, I ride motorcycles. So in life in the fast lane is a motorcycle show. But I I do want to take a moment to acknowledge, acknowledge the uh bullshit that is not it's, it's it's interesting because it's not that it's new it's not that it's new this has been happening the issue is this has been going on and on there's so much bullshit that happens uh on on a racial level to a point where it, the racism transcends to demonic evil it transcends racism transcends. It's like, it's not enough to be racist anymore. You have to be an an evil demon. Okay. And, and it's not that any of this is new. It's been happening for centuries. The issue is that the world has become smaller. Thanks to social media Thanks to everybody having a camcorder on their phone, a camera on their phone, the ability and accessibility to document wrongdoing, evil doing is uh, is explosive. Like everybody can do it. Even when the police's body cams don't work 
Okay. <laughs> Your camera does. So it's, and I'm not targeting any specific group. I'm walking a fine line here. I'm walking a fine line here, but the, you know, it, those that know me know that I am a large black man. Uh, I caught my, my, you know, I, I'm a large black man and that often gets the attention of evil, demonic, racist people. And I've experienced racism to a, to a physical extent, uh, to an incarceration, not, 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 you know, I'm talking about overnights. Okay. I've been locked up because of the color of my skin released, um, charges dropped. I've, I've been, I've been through it. Even in the motorcycle industry, I've experienced, uh, severe racism. And, you know, there's a, uh, there's a story about, I've always talked about my time at Fast by Farachi. I've always talked about how proud I am and what a dear, sweet friend Araldo Farachi was and is to me. That man uh, is, 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 is a gem. His, his soul, he's a, he's a, uh, I just, I love that man. I love, Araldo Farachi is my guy. The, there was a catalyst. There was a, a situation of why I left Fast by Farachi um, and started doing my own thing. And it had nothing to do with Araldo. I want to be clear. It had nothing to do with Araldo. It had nothing to do with his family. It had nothing to do because as far as I was concerned, I was going to be there for a minute. I was going to be I had been there for several years in a few years. And I was I loved my job. I loved who I worked for. I took so much pride. But even there, it was, you know, when at, at a certain at certain levels, at events, people have said to me, oh, I didn't know. I didn't know Araldo had black people working for him. That's been said to me. That, that's been said to me. Um, I've gone to events on my own motorcycles, my own bikes, and people uh, have walked up and surprised. Like I got into the gated community pulling up on it. I remember I pulled up to breakfast, the, uh, the breakfast run at Ephrata. Ephrata PA does a monthly or did a monthly breakfast, which was, you know, I think I've talked about it before on the show. Uh, they have, uh, you know, they would, you know, a Sunday morning uh, breakfast uh, deal, but mostly it was there for the bikes. You see like a couple hundred bikes in a parking lot uh, in Ephrata PA. And it was, a, it was a nice ride up there. Um Back roads, twisties, what have you. Not really twisties, but back roads and what have you in PA. Don't really have twisties in PA. Um, but but the event was mostly a European bike cafe cultured thing, and there weren't a lot of brothers up there. So I remember the it might have been the third time that I was there, and I was on my 05 Ducati 749. Uh, dark, of course, <laughs> of course. 
So I pull up and this was in 05 and the bike was brand new, but it was mine. I, you know what I mean? So it wasn't like, it's like, I shouldn't even have to qualify. It was my bike. I owned it. But I remember pulling into the parking lot and parking and having uh, a, a small crowd of older white men uh, approach. And, you know, but that was normal. People, you pull up on your bike and be, oh, what's that? You know, people would walk over. The whole point of, of it was to look at other people's bikes and to just appreciate the culture. That's what I thought it was. Uh, that's how I perceived it to be. And and so the the the, the gentleman, I'm using that term loosely, was going over my bike with a fine tooth comb. Like he was just, and I thought he just really liked 749s or the, you know, the 999 body style. I don't, I don't know. Maybe it was the first time he saw the bike in person. I don't really know. But then I realized it was almost like he was looking for the VIN number. He was looking for the VIN number. That's what it felt like. And it was like, he was going to report it because he couldn't believe it was almost when I pulled in and I took my helmet off. It was like, who let the Negro ride <laughs> Who let him in here? And honestly, I said, there wasn't that many brothers there. And I can, from that day, I don't recall seeing any other brothers there, but it was very like, I walk, I take my helmet off. I ride in, take my helmet off. And it's like all eyes on me. Big black man pulling up on an 05 into in o, of pulling up on an 05 in 05. You dig? And the, it was like the, the, you could hear the, you could hear them, the note, the, the necks going, everybody just like focused on me. And so I, uh, I, I, I asked the gentleman, I said, you know, I said, are you looking for something? And he said, this is, as he's not even giving me eye contact, he just said, Oh, I didn't know that Farachi was selling used bikes. At some point, you know, in the conversation, like, you know, in the meet and greet, you know, greeting people when you're saying hello, you know, oh, that's a nice bike. Where'd you, you know, where, where, where'd you buy it from? Whatever. Where'd you get it from? And, you know, like, oh, you know, I work at Farachi's. It's, uh, you know, bought it from Farachi's. So the gentleman, while, uh, you know, inspecting my bike, he says to me where he says, uh, I ask him, you know, do you, are you, do you basically are you looking for something? And he goes, I didn't know that Farachi sold used bikes. And I said, who said it was used? And he looked me right in the face and he says, you couldn't have bought this new. And I said, why not? And he just looked at me. And then he said, never mind. And I was like, no, not never mind. Please finish your statement. Like, what do you mean? I, I couldn't have bought this new. I didn't know this guy from a can of paint. He sure as hell didn't know me. But for him to make that statement... And it, it didn't register with me until later what it was. And at first I thought, okay, you know, like just for the spirit one, I'm way out here in the boonies. So be cool, brother. Be cool. Um, <laughs> I'm the only one. So be cool, brother. Be cool. But it was very much like what, like what the hell was that? You know? Um, and even one of his, but I'm assuming one of his buddies or somebody that knew him actually said like, Oh, don't, don't pay any mind to him. Don't pay any attention to him, whatever. So, um, and I went on about my day. That was one experience uh, out of many, out of many. But I, I bring up my my tenure at Farachi and how it came to a conclusion. Because there there was a gentleman. I'm using that term. I'm using the term gentleman to one loosely, very loosely. But um, there was a gentleman that was hired 
at Farachi. I guess there was, you know, Araldo's oldest son uh, who was helping his father, uh, Larry. Larry Farachi was helping his father restructure the business and, you know, tightening up the ship, as they say, battening down the hatches and just really trying to formalize a lot of things, you know, and it was welcomed. It was, it was, you know, like I said, I love my job and whatever it was, if it was good for the job, it was good for me. And they treated me like family. Um, I felt like I was family. And if you ask me right now, I am Farachi is my family. That's, that's, that's my squad. I, I, I love, I, I love the Farachi family. Um, and I know that they love me too, period. So, um, but they brought in what I'm going to say, I've been using the word, I, I use the word gentlemen. I'm going to say they brought in an outsider and an outsider who touted himself as a quote unquote fixer. Uh, you know, he, he boasted as someone who comes in to establishments and straightens out their organization, their administration, their, uh, everything like their execution or the whole nine. So, this guy was brought in and as a general manager, and this guy, it was a it was a bad move. And I won't get into the who's and the what's and the what have you's, but let's just say this. The this the reality was I was the only black man working at Fast by Farachi. This outsider came in. And within the scope of two to three months, and keep in mind, I was, I was the parts guy. So there was another kid that was working there that didn't even ride. And that's not against him, but he wasn't part of the culture for him. It was just another gig. It was another check. And he did, he didn't do his job. Well, he didn't do his job damn near at all. Okay, it was it was weird. I was on I was early to work and I was late to leave. Okay, I stayed until the job was done and then I did some more. Um, And that was just the nature of the gig. You had to like you had to give more. You had to give more. He just wasn't into it. And that's cool. Whatever. Um, But that young man was a white kid. So the outsider. Put all his eggs in the basket of that kid. And began to systematically set me up, systematically set me up to to destroy me, to destroy my relationship with Farachi, to uh, destroy me as a person. And when it didn't work, okay, what that person failed to understand is how intricately, intricately woven I was into the fabric of that organization. Like I said, he put all his eggs in the basket of the other kid. He put all his eggs in the basket of the other kid and he lost. He lost. Um, it, I was, there was a situation and it wasn't legal or anything like that. It's just, it's, 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 uh, <laughs> it's a topic for an entirely different episode. Um, so I'm free to talk about it. I'm just choosing my words carefully now. Um, it was a, he, 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 the outsider tried to set me up, but I'm, I, I, my vision wasn't and isn't blurry. So I saw what he was trying to do. Cause I didn't like the cat from the gate. 
I could smell what he was up to. And to me, the whole rhetoric of he's been to different dealerships and been to different organizations and he comes in and cleans up and he's been, he moved all over, all around the country to do these things and claim to help businesses increase their revenue and sales and whatever, whatever. To me, it sounded like the dude couldn't keep a job. That's what it's, that's the way that looked. <laughs> Look, his resume was long, okay? All the places that he'd been to and all the places that he had helped, helped uh, get their act together, so-and-so and what have you. And um, I, just to me, it was just like, damn, homie, you can't keep a job. You keep moving around. If, you, if you're so good at what you do, why, do you, why can't you hold one down? That's, what, that's the way it read to me. But again, I was just there to, as the parts manager. I was there to sell parts for Raldo, and that's what I did, and I did it well. The outsider put all his eggs in the basket of the kid who didn't give a shit about the job, who didn't ride, who wasn't into anything other than whatever he was doing extracurric- on the extracurricular level. And that's none of my business. I don't care. But like I said, it just it wasn't um, it was very obvious what that kid was into. But he was white. And the outsider was white, and I was the only black man working at Farachi. And the great thing about Araldo, the great thing about Araldo, is that he, color didn't matter to him. Color did not matter to Araldo at all. Maybe it did, but I never saw it. The only thing that mattered to Araldo was going fast. That was it. That was it. <laughs> the only thing that Araldo cared about was going fast and fast and making things go fast. Fast by Farachi. That's what the that's what the guy was about. That's what the gig was about. That's what that that whole experience for me was understanding that Araldo and Araldo. Even like I said, I I don't believe that. I never, I never, he never treated me, even when I first started, like my probationary time there, like the first month or two, of course he watched me with an eye, you know, just, you know, I'm the new guy, whatever. But it was like, once he saw that I was authentic and that I was about it, about it, it was like, okay, you're, you're in now, (laughs) you're in. And, you know, that's, I I love that about him. And and that's what I, the hope that I have in humanity is dwindling. It's dwindling fast, but the hope that I have in humanity is because of men like Araldo uh, and, and, and his point of view is if you can do the job, you can do the job and it doesn't matter what color you are. If, if you do what's your, what you're supposed to do, if you do what you're supposed to do and then some even better, you got to be a go-getter. And that's what mattered to Araldo, but this outsider came in and what mattered to him, it didn't matter what didn't matter to this outsider, what my sales were like. It didn't matter that I had a huge customer base, that I had a, I had a client list of people that would call email, come in to see me for me to order their parts, sell them things. It didn't matter to him. The only thing that mattered to him was the color of my skin. And so uh, he he tried to set me up a couple of times and it didn't work. But what he did do was fire my ass. He fired my ass. And because for insubordination, 
because he had a family member, his wife, who did not work at Fast by Farachi, but she was always at Fast by Farachi. And maybe she didn't have anything else to do. Maybe she didn't have anything else to do. But she was always cleaning or straightening or whatever. But it's like, you don't work here. But look, I didn't care. Just, you know, my thing was like, just don't interfere with me doing my work. And uh, I'll tell you to you. I'll tell it to you real quick. You, my peoples, I love you. Black Moses appreciate you. When you're dealing with uh, motorcycles and you ha- you're selling parts and accessories, um, an engine components. It is important to keep around the catalogs of prior model years because people have older bikes and you need the part numbers from those catalogs. It's just, they're like encyclopedias. And so I had older catalogs, obviously on my desk and was my desk super clean. No, you know why? Cause I was dealing with maybe in the course of a day, anywhere from 20 to 35, maybe, maybe 20 to 35 clients looking up parts. So I did, there wasn't time to clean all the time, you know, like once, once every other week. And if the, if the phone stopped ringing, if there wasn't somebody in the showroom, you, you find a couple moments to straighten a pile up, a pile of papers up. That's, that's pretty much what it was. So it wasn't a mess, but there was just a lot of piece of paper. There were papers and notes and things like that. My notebooks, catalogs, uh, brochures, all these things were strewn about my desk. And I remember I came in one day and my desk was clean. And I was, I freaked out. I'm like, yo, like, cause I have notes and things like that. I freaked out. Come to find out the outsider's wife had cleaned my desk and threw things away. I was furious, but I contained myself. I just asked what happened. I explained to her and, and, you know, she said, oh, I cleaned up or whatever. And I explained again, this is this woman did not work at the dealership. She did not work at the dealership. So this was just the wife of the outsider who found himself to be the general manager. Fast by Farachi. I um, and I got to tell you, I had a totally different topic to talk about during this episode, but this this is just kind of going on. This is just kind of, you know, came out just kind of. So we're just keeping it real. Your boy, Mr. Black Moses is keeping it real with you. Um, and, I, and I said to to the to the outsider's wife, I said, look, I understand that. I said, but you need to do you need to understand my system. And I said, my system works because my sales numbers reflect that. Please don't touch my desk. Please don't touch anything on, near, about, above or below my desk. Please, if you don't, if you don't understand it, my thing was she could have at least asked me. Okay. But on the real, it was like, just don't, there's, you don't even work here. Like, why are you touching my stuff? So she was upset that I called her out for, and I didn't do it in front of other people. I wasn't disrespectful, but I was firm because that was messing with my money. That was messing with Araldo's money. Okay. So I say, please don't touch my desk. And that was the end of it for about two days. I come back from lunch, like three days. It was like three days later. I come back from lunch 
And she is at my desk, literally, with catalogs. Catalogs. I think, you know, we're going back to, to 04. 04, maybe. Okay? And I walk in. Maybe, no, 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 no. I'm sorry. This would have been, this would have been around like 06, 06, 2006, maybe. Okay? I walk in from lunch. And she's standing in my space, in my workspace, my little cubby, at my desk, and she's got catalogs, like 01, 2000, catalogs. And she's actively in her hand with a trash bag. And it's not that I had amassed that large amount of of items on my desk that quickly. That's the other thing I didn't understand. It was like, I just told this lady who doesn't work here to stay out of my work area politely. So when I saw her in my work area, this woman who doesn't work at Fast by Farachi, and she's got my catalogs in her hand about to put them in a trash bag. And there were, and, and look, there were no other, uh, there were no customers in the showroom at the time. And I didn't yell, but I told her, I said, I said, Put it down. I gave her the business in a business way, in a professional way. I said, put I, I said, put my shit down. She didn't work there. I said, put my shit down. I said, what are you doing? I said, just get, please get out of my space. Because that was the second time. She had no right to be there. But this was the outsider's wife. So she started tearing up a little bit. And I felt bad about it, but not really. She brought it on herself. You don't work here. Like, I don't know what to tell you, man. Like, if you are bored, go do something else. Maybe they need your, maybe they can, you can go sweep up in the shop, but stay out of my area. She goes and tells her husband. A couple minutes later, I get called into the office of the outsider who is now acting as the general manager. Well, I'd probably say maybe like maybe a couple hours. It was a couple of hours. And I said, I went on about my day. I went on about my day, had a great, had made great numbers that day, sold a lot of stuff. Um, end of the day, it was the end of the day. The outsider calls me into his office. I go into his office. And he has a sheet that he's worked out, a document stating that I had uh, verbally assaulted a fellow employee. Mind you, she did not work there. She never worked there. That I had verbally assaulted an employee. Uh, and that I was to accept this disciplinary action that I was verbally warned or whatever. Now, mind you, he didn't ask me what happened. He wasn't in earshot of what happened, which made me believe that I was set up. They were trying to set your boy up. He didn't want my black ass mirroring the uh, the, the, the the lily white establishment that he was trying to construct at fast by Farachi. So I told the guy, I said, look, man, I said, he wanted me to sign it. He wanted me to sign it. 
And I said, I'm not signing anything because you didn't ask me what happened. It was already filled out. It was already filled out, typed out nicely, what have you. I said, look, man, I'm not signing that because you didn't ask me what happened and it's not accurate. I was like, she doesn't work here. So me saying that I did something to another employee is not true right off the bat. <clears throat> Second, um, she's disrupting the workflow by being here and touching things that don't belong to her, nor that touching things that she doesn't understand. But he insisted that I sign it further. He insisted that I not talk to any of the Farachi family about this. Now, what he didn't understand again at this point, how interwoven I was into the fabric of Fast by Farachi. Okay. He didn't understand. He thought I was just another Negro. He thought, and I'm using that N word because I don't like the other N word, but he thought I was just another Negro. Okay. So I said, I'm not signing this. He says he's going to give me time to think about it and urge me not to talk to any. He said, I'm the general manager. If any other, you cannot talk to anybody else about this. They have hired me to handle all of these. You cannot usurp my authority, blah, 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 yada, 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 whatever. I'm hot, I'm heated, but I'm being cool. You know, brother, be cool. Brother, be cool. Ice cold. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm telling myself, just be cool, man. I say, okay. So I leave for the evening. Workday is over. Go home. And that's all I thought about. I'm like, this guy's tripping. <clears throat> I go to work the next day. Get in. And before, before I even turn on my, I, I walk into my work area. There's a note on my desk. Alan, come see me. Don't turn your computer on. Come see me right away. Sign the outsider. I go into the outsider's office. He asked me to have a seat. I have a seat. He's got a desk. I'm sitting across the desk from him. He says, have you thought about what we talked about yesterday? I said, yes. And he had the document out with a pen waiting for me to just sign. He says, have you thought about it? And I said, yes, I have. He says, well, are you ready to sign? I said, I'm not signing that. I said, if you want to do another document with my, I said, you did. I said, to this point, you have not asked me what happened. You're going on what your wife who does not work here said in this document. If I sign it, I will be admitting or uh, co-signing a lie that does damage to me. I said, I'm not signing that. I said, he, I said, are you, I, he said, so you're not going to sign it. I said, are you going to do another document? He says, no, I'm not going to do another document. This is accurate. I said, well, I'm not signing that. He's like, Alan, you're forcing my hand. You're forcing my hand. And I said, I'm not forcing anything. He opens up, he leans back, opens up the door, uh, the drawer of his desk, takes out a pink slip. I still have that pink slip to this day. Mike, I, I've been saying I need to get it framed. He puts it on his desk and he said, uh, it says, Alan, you're forcing my hand as of whatever time it is. Bop, bop, bop. You are terminated. This asshole had the paper, had the pink slip already signed. My, my, my walking papers, my termination papers already signed. He set me up. 
He tried well, he tried to set me up. And when that didn't work, he just came up with some cockamamie story about why I was getting fired. For insubordination, that was the official reading for insubordination. Like, what the fuck? So when the funny thing was when he said you're terminated, he braced himself. Like he was expecting me to get physical. Like he, he bared down on the desk. Like it was his safety, like his seatbelt. Like it was going to keep whatever it was like, whatever is going like the way he grabbed the desk was like, and he braced up like he expected me to flip the desk. And inside my head, I'm going ice cold, ice cold, be cool, baby. I stood up. And I calmly walked and I looked over my shoulder to make sure he wasn't coming after me. And when I looked over, he was still bracing. <laughs> he was still bearing down on the dead. Dude was scared. And you know what? Good for him for being scared. Because he didn't know. He did not know. I am dangerous. I am very dangerous. I was then and I'm even more dangerous now, but I wasn't dangerous because of the, the violence that he was expecting. I'm dangerous because I have a brain and I know how to use it. That's my point. That's my point. He expected me to act the way he expected me to act. I saw him coming a mile away. I smelt him coming a mile away. Dude got had seven, eight jobs in one year talking about, oh, I, I, I just move around and I help businesses build. No, you can't keep a job. General manager. So. I leave his office. And there were Mr. Farachi's office was on the other side of the showroom and there were two ways to get there. You could go straight through the showroom or you could go through the back around shipping and blah, blah, blah. So I go first to, to my desk. And then I think so, so I need to go tell Mr. Farachi what's going on. As I approach I walk across the showroom floor. I um, go through the shop. I go through the service department and I'm going to Farachi's office. Here comes the outsider from the other way. And he runs. He's He was running. He runs. This is an older white guy. Older white guy. Okay. He gets to the door just seconds before I do. He pushes me out the way, goes into the office and closes the door. And I guess that was him, his way of getting to Farachi first to tell the plant his his lie of whatever, why he had to do what he had to do. So that's how I got fired from Fast by Farachi. <laughs> that's how I got fired. Um, because of some racist bastard. <laughs> and you know, it, it, that wasn't the end of the story, but that was the catalyst. That was the catalyst. Um, and that, the moments that day, that day was full of activity. Um, uh, I went and I had rolled my bike that day, but you told me I had to clear my desk out, whatever. My, my mother worked at the high school, which wasn't the neighborhood of high school, which wasn't too far away. Abington senior high school. So that, and that's where my alma mater. So I, I had to ride my bike, uh, 
to the high school and get her borrow her car to load up and get my stuff. I come back to Farachi to get my stuff. And this dude, this outsider is now he and his wife are now in. He's sitting at my desk and his wife is like looking out like she's doing lookout. I walk in and dude is like he has my backpack. In his lap and he's rooting through it. And I just say, yo, dude, like, what are you doing? Give me my shit. What are you doing? He grabs my bag like a purse and holds it against his chest. And so I have to make sure you're not stealing anything. I said, are you kidding me? I'm like, you just got here. You're the new guy. I said, give me my shit. And he wouldn't. And his wife wouldn't get out of my way. So I said, okay. Again, he braced up because he wanted me to do something. He was trying to initiate some type of accelerated conflict. I said, okay. I turned around to the counter, picked up the phone and called the police. He says, what are you doing? And I said, I'm calling the police. He says, on who? I said, you. <laughs> I called 911. I had the police come. Two brothers showed up. And I said, yes, I need an escort out of this building. I said, this man has my physical property and he will not give it to me. Now, when the police show up, Araldo comes out. And I don't think Araldo grasped. I don't know what dude told Araldo. But when the cops show up, Araldo comes out. And Araldo it was normal for people to have arguments <clears throat> for fellow employees to have arguments and to get heated. You know, it was a high paced environment. You know, it was, it was, you, you, you had to have thick skin to work. There. It just was what it was. So I don't think Araldo understood the severity of what that asshole was trying to do. And what ultimately he did do. Um, so that was, Araldo came out to me, animal, you know, what's going on? Are you okay? What happened? And Manthe, oops, that's his name. Sorry. <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah, the outsider, sorry. The outsider um, spoke up and said, you know, oh, you know, Alan's trying to have to make sure Alan's not stealing anything. And, and Araldo looked at him like, Alan doesn't steal. Alan's like, Alan's my guy. Like what's like, really like now it's like, what's going on? So the police are there. I take, um, and I like in two trips, I get all my, like I get all my stuff, my, my personal effects that were on my desk. I didn't have a lot of stuff, but it was like two trips out to the car box back bag. All good. I'm going. Araldo says, you know, he's going to call me later because he was I think he was trying to piece together what was going on. Larry's office was a little in another building a couple of miles away. So Larry had to be brought into the loop. So this happened on, I believe, a Thursday. This happened on a Thursday. Friday comes and goes. I'm hot. I'm pissed. I'm mad. Friday comes, Saturday comes, Sunday comes, and the weekend goes. I get a call on Monday, and it's Larry. Larry asked me to come back. Larry says, Alan, look, I don't know what happened, but I would like to understand. So Larry and I have a conversation. I tell, and then I have a conversation with Mr. Faraci. Larry says to me, Alan, please come back. Please come back. 
And I had one question. And I said, Larry, is that asshole still your general manager? Larry said, yeah. And I said, no, thank you. No, thank you. And that was that. That was the end of my tenure at Faraji. And I wasn't mad at Larry. I wasn't mad at Oraldo. I wasn't mad even at the outsider because I smelt him coming. When you understand the nature of something or someone, you can't really be surprised. You can't really be disappointed. They're going to be and behave and do what they do as they are. I smelt him coming and I saw it. I saw it coming. It was to me, it was just a question of when it was a question of when it was going to happen. And to this day, to this day, when I'm having a hard time, you know, I look, hey, if you ask me, if you ask a couple of people, the outsider, like I said, put his money on the wrong horse um, <laughs> because I think it was I he this happened right before the annual Farachi Christmas party, which was a big sales day, big sales day. But if you fire your number one sales guy right before your biggest sales day of the year, that that you go because based because he wasn't there for the year prior, but based on the numbers, he re up the inventory like he bought a lot of shit because he thought that was going to be the big day. And it would have been he got rid of his number one sales guy. So the way I understand it. Most of the, I think, 70% of that, 70 to 80% of that inventory sat in the warehouse for the next four or five years because the outsider had nobody to sell it on that very next Christmas day sale or that Christmas uh, party sale. So, hey, I don't know what to tell you, guy. Then, like two months later, three months later, I think it was a total of like, Five months after he fired me, he got fired or let go or whatever. He no longer worked at Farachi's. Seems kismet. Seems kismet to me. At which point I was already on to my next. I had already started devising my business plan. I don't like to sit still. It was like, all right, bet I'm not going to sit there and wallow. I got fired from a job that I love. For no reasons, for no reason other than the color of my skin. I was a good worker. I was on time. I showed up every day. I didn't call out. One of the first ones in, one of the last ones out. Sometimes it was just a rowder when I there. I love that job. And that outsider, because of his preconceived notions of the of people with the color of my skin versus his ideals of what people with his color of skin are like made a, a decision that disrupted my life. And that to me, it's interesting. I saw him, I saw him 
several years later. Several years later. And up until that point, I had I was I was angry at him, but I was motivated by his bullshit. And that's where, you know, part of the reason why I hustle so hard now is is to not to prove him wrong. I give a I don't give a fuck what he thinks. About me, my people, anything. When I say my people, I mean my people. You don't have to be brown to get down with your boy, Mr. Black Moses. If you my people, you my people, you dig. But I don't give a fuck what he thinks. So I hustle hard not to prove him wrong, but I hustle hard to prove me right. To prove me right. You dig? If there's, if there's, so when I saw him, when I saw him, I'm speaking from the heart today, y'all. This is straight like Black Moses 100%. You know, this is real rap. I thought to myself, if I ever see this guy, what am I going to do? What am I going to say? Because I was not always a nice person. Keep it 100. I was not always a nice guy. So I, I thought of reverting back. If I saw this guy and I did bump into him. And a peace came over me. Like a, a peace. I was very a chill. Ice cold. <laughs> oh, it was just like, wow, because what he was doing when I saw him, his new job or his current job, it was again sort of kismet. Karma. Karma, things work. Think the universe has a strange way of working things out. And a lot of times you have to just be patient. It doesn't always work when you want it to. It doesn't always happen when you want it to. It's not on your timetable. The universe is on its own timetable. But when I saw him in his new position, and again, I felt, I felt vindicated in my thinking that this guy can't hold a job. He just kept moving around, moving around. So I saw him and I felt nothing. I felt that, that, that initial chill. And then I felt nothing. And I walk right past him. Like I looked right. I saw him, but I didn't see, like I saw him, but I saw through him. Like he didn't, he didn't have any substance. He didn't have any matter. Saw right through him and I kept walking. Didn't say anything. He saw me too. I know he saw me. But nothing was said. And now, um, I don't know what he's doing now. I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. And that's the most important thing. I focus on myself. I can't save the world, y'all. Black Moses is not a superhero. Black Moses is not a role model. Black Moses is a man, a black man who loves motorcycles. And if you love motorcycles, you're family to me. You're family to me until you decide that you don't want to be family with me. And I hope that that never, I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope that we as a people, we as a culture, can figure out some things that other people can't figure out. 
I hope that we as a culture can let our love for two wheels solve some serious equations. I hope that we can solve problems based on our love of two wheels. It's been a tough week, y'all. It's been a very tough week. Real quick note. I did not want to leave it to say that Araldo did not stick up for me because he did. He did. When he reached out to me immediately after it happened and when Larry reached out to me and they asked me to come back. To my understanding, it was explained to the outsider who I was and what I was doing. And I know that he didn't like that, the outsider. So asking me to come back to work for a guy that I knew had it in for me would even be would, oh, double suicide because he would have it more in for me now because I would be deemed as the golden child. So he would be looking for reasons to, to justify his initial actions. Not going to do it. Several years later, Several years later, I went to see Mr. Farachi. At that point, I had opened up my shop, everything but the bike, and I was writing for magazines. And my my I was climbing in the in the moto industry. My ascent had begun, so to speak. And I go in. I had been on TV a little bit, and done a couple of things and, you know, people had started to recognize the name and the face and opportunities were opening up and on the real, let's keep it 100. <clears throat> had that bullshit not occurred, I, the doors of opportunity, I may not have been there for, for the knock. I may not have been there for the knock. You dig? I might've been preoccupied. <laughs> so in a way I'm grateful <laughs> in a way I'm grateful that that bullshit occurred. But several years later, I went to Farachi's to get something. Doesn't matter. Araldo was there. And Araldo asked to talk to me. He wanted to talk. Of course. And he said he was sorry. And you know what? That got me. Because I don't think I'd ever heard of Araldo apologize to anybody. <laughs> and it wasn't like that gruff, like, oh, I'm sorry. It was animal, I apologize. And I we hugged. And I told him I was sorry, too. And that was it. And And, 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 and that was a... It, it was a it was a come full circle, it was, you know. It we we hugged it out. <laughs> we hugged it out. That's what we did. We hugged it out. But there was nothing really to hug out. Like, but it was just like we. It was our understanding to make sure that we were cool because we had never said to each other, "Hey, we're cool. I'm cool. We, we, we cool. We cool." That had never occurred. But that hug out session, that was the yo, we good, bro. That that was the we're good talk. And uh, it's just the, the contrast of men, the contrast of men, Araldo, old school Italian 
just focused on getting, if you can do the job, that's what it is. He measures the merits of a man on the ability to do what he said he was going to do. Not based on color. It, it doesn't matter. The Raldo's objection of life is to go fast and to make things go fast. And I dig that. You contrast that with the outsider who did not care how well you did your job. He cared about the color of one's skin. And if it, in my opinion, in my experience, my merit, according to him, was subpar. Not because of my work, not because of my ethic, not because of my accomplishment, not because of my my work history. It was based on the color of my skin. And that, my friends, that, my family, is bullshit. Just one more note. With all the other bullshit that's going on in the world right now that's going on in our country right now like I said I'm not a politician I'm a guy that rides motorcycles and runs his mouth be nice to each other as much as possible sometimes you gotta let people know what it's hitting for but please try to be nicer try to be kind to one another. That's all I can ask you to do. People are what they are. They're going to be who they're going to be. They're going to do what, they, what they're going to do. But I'm asking you to please make an attempt to be kinder, to be more gentle, to be nicer to human beings, human to human. Please stay safe. Stay healthy. You dig? This is an Ian Beckles flavor in your ear quick fix on Radio Influence. Regardless of what you think George Floyd was doing, and by the way, I saw the video of beforehand and know what he was doing? Nothing. Resisting arrest? No, he was not. He surely was not. So, should he be should he be arrested? Okay, sure. Should he be killed and murdered? No. Now, whether people are getting antsy because people are using the you know the word murder, if I punch somebody and knock knock them onto the ground, then put my knee on their neck, and they're saying I can't breathe, I can't breathe, I can't breathe, and I continue to put pressure on their neck for nine and a half minutes, that's murder. In any sense, sorry, everybody around him, you're killing him. He's crying for his mother, by the way, who's dead. That was one of the toughest videos for me to, to watch. And when they're taught, when he's saying things like they're going to kill me, they're killing me. Well, when is it, when is it too much? And George Floyd's brother wants the officers arrested. Yes, it's about time. You know what? When you arrest one of those officers and you put them in jail in there with uh, Schillinger and Adam B.C. like it was in Oz, they'll stop doing it. Because you know why? They don't have to stop doing it because whether we know it or not, 
the good old boy network, when some of these guys get suspended or lose their jobs, they still get their pension. We don't know if the good old boys aren't taking care of them. Don't stop slapping them on the wrists. And for the first time, really, in abundance, I'm seeing white people are offended now. White people are pissed. Like, they watch that video, they're like, are you shitting me? What is happening? But white people are pissed. Thank you, white people. Thank you. You can find Ian Beckles' Flavor in Your Ear on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and RadioInfluence.com. 